Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. And uh, today we're going to be continuing on in a series that we've called Being. And uh, uh, we're going to talk some more about what the Beatitudes are all about and what that looks like. Um, but uh, a couple of things before we, we hop in there. You know, as part of our mission of One More, and this, is, this whole series is a sub-series of that, um, we said that, that uh, the, the method for doing that, our mission is One More, One More to Jesus. That's the what we do as a church. Our, our method is that we're a force, we're a frontline operation, um, and we're reconciling, we're caring, and we're encouraging. And I said that those, thing, uh, those components make up a radical message, radical hospitality, and radical generosity. And uh, this morning we got to go out and do some radical generosity. We did one of our $1 car washes. Um, we had a great time. Uh, if you don't know, a $1 car wash, we, we put signs and we held signs up there and we wave people in for a $1 car wash and they come in and we wash their car and when we're all done, we give them a dollar. Uh, this is a blast. We had the best time doing this because it really makes people go, what are you doing this for? Which is what it's all about. See, radical generosity, not what people expect. And, uh, uh, and they all think it's a fundraiser and they have money in their hands and when we turn it around, it's just a... They, they, and we just tell them, hey, we just wanted to bless you today. We want to encourage you. Then we give them a coupon for a free dinner or a free breakfast here at the vineyard. And uh, we leave it at that. Saturday night dinner free. It's funny because if you get one of these coupons, it doesn't even look like it's a church. It just says the vineyard on it. And uh, we didn't. Uh, and then it's, it's a coupon for free dinner, Saturday night, 6.30 to 7. Um, then we say what we have for dinner. And then live entertainment, it says on there. <laughs> And the breakfast is the same way. It's on the other side is for breakfast. And we invite them to the 11 o'clock service because our first two services are so busy. Um, but see, that's great stuff. Radical generosity. It's a blast. We washed 70 cars. And uh, we have so much fun out there. We, we give most of them a dollar. If they're really dirty, we'll, I'll walk up to them and say something like, your car was so dirty, I'm sorry. It's going to be a $2 car wash. And they, oh, okay. And then I hand them $2. It's the most fun. And they just look at me like I'm completely insane. And that's what, remember the verses in 2 Corinthians 5. If I'm out of my mind, it's for his sake. But if not, it's for theirs. And it's part of what we do and how we incorporate this into our lives. And, and so you're being radically generous every time you get out there and encourage two people. That's what the thankful five, encouraged to. See, that's all got to become a part of our everyday lives. This isn't just something we put on on the weekend. It's what we do. It's who we are. And, and the church is, is all of us out there. And our mission is to get one more back to dad. Just one more. And, and we do it by, by being this, this radical force in the world. And the reason we do it is love. And that's our, that's our motivation. And that's what this series is all about that we're talking about today and that we've called being. And, and we're, we're looking at the Beatitudes because ultimately, life is found in being, being in relationship with God and relationship with others, loving God, loving others. Loving God, we do by being thankful for five things. Loving others, we do by encouraging people. We tie all this together so that it works in a very sort of practical way as we walk this thing out. And that's what it's supposed to be, a very practical application of the life of God in us and what he's called us to do as his ambassadors. So that's what it looks like. And we're, we're, we're working through the Beatitudes. I've encouraged you to start memorizing them. Matthew uh, uh, 5, uh, 3 through 12 is what I've, uh, ultimately we're going to look at and encourage you to learn 3 and 4 uh, this week. And if you didn't, that's okay. You've got plenty of time. Get back to them. Next week, try and learn 5 and 6. But if you don't, wherever, we'll get to the end ahead of time so that we can finish them. 
But Matthew 5, 3 and 4, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we're going to talk today some more about verse 4 here in just a minute. But I had this from a couple of people, and I thought it was funny. And uh, I want to get it right and see if you, if you think this. A uh, little girl goes to her mother, and, and she says, uh, How did the human race appear? And the mother answered, well, God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and so was all mankind made. Two days later, the little girl asked her father the same question, and the father answered, well, many years ago there were monkeys from which the human race evolved. The confused girl returned to her mother and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me the human race was created by God, and Dad says they developed from monkeys? And the mother answered, well, dear, it's very simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his. Okay. <laughs> I like it. <clears throat> All right. Well, last week we hopped into this message, and we introduced it, and I gave you the preamble again. And, uh, you know, I was thinking all this week, in, in thinking about, you know, the, see, we talked about being as opposed to having, and that our culture has moved into one of having instead of being. And, and having, and I back that up with the fact that in 1960, there was no public storage spaces, and now there's 2 billion square feet of it, 60, 50 years later? Yeah. And so that we've, we've undergone a huge shift, and that having is about right circumstances, that people find life in right circumstances, but, but being is about right attitudes. And, the, and, and right circumstances just never happen. We, we've called that when and then thinking, and it's a trap. That, that the culture has moved into. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When and then, when and then, when and then. And that's not where we find life. The, the Bible tells us that blessed or, or happy are you uh, when your attitudes are right. And, then, and those attitudes that, we're, that Jesus develops are all about loving God and loving others. And he's broken them down in that, that wonderful little chunk of Scripture in Matthew 5, 3 through 12. And we, uh, the question I was thinking about all week is, is here, say, 50 years, just putting a number on it, 50 years into this change of having to being, do you think people are happier? With all the technological, technological advances and everything that we have now, do you really think that people are happier now than they were 50 years ago? I don't think they are. I think it's not because they've, they've shifted out of where they can find life. And I think it's kind of interesting that all these things that people tell us we've got to have to be happy don't, don't work. They just steal away from us what does work, which is relationship. I had this thought when I was seven, seven or eight years old. When you think about something, do you ever, I, I let my brain race. I was thinking about, I lived in, a, in New York at the time. And uh, uh, the street that I lived on, at the end that, that we lived, there was, there was very nice homes. Uh, but if you went down that same street, half a mile, three quarters of a mile, at the very end, it dead-ended into another road. And there was sort of a... We used to call it a tenement back then. I don't know. It was a very sort of run-down apartment complex. And, and uh, it, it, it didn't look nice, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a very nice place. And yet I met a kid who lived in there, and, and uh, I remember you saw, I used to go down there all the time to hang out with him, and the reason I did was because his family was always playing board games. And I, I, I thought it was the coolest thing. And I thought, this guy has the best... Because they were always playing like Monopoly, always. There was always a Monopoly game going on in this house. And I'd, you show up and they just invite you in. And it was the coolest thing. And, and, 
they didn't have anything, and, and yet they're a very happy sort of group. Um, and, and we didn't, we, it wasn't something we did in our home. That's why, but I wonder how much of that we've lost in, in life. Because, you know, we have to, you have to work at relationship. It's so easy today to everybody to, to um, get electronically hooked up and not relate at all in this way. I mean, it's just, and I, I, we have to fight it all the time, even in my house. We got, everybody's got a computer and a phone and a thing, and they text and they do all this other stuff. And it's, um, you know, it's good to a point, but man, not, not at the expense of missing out on the real deal. So I, I, it's just something I think to think about and, and why these attitudes are so important. Last week we talked about Matthew 5.3, which is all about humility. Poor in spirit means humility. And, and it's key because it, it helps us to realize our desperate need for God and others and then turn to Jesus. And ultimately, that's why the kingdom of heaven is ours. When, when you realize that, that you're desperate for God uh, and, and you turn to Jesus because you can't, you know, your pride's not enough, that realization then helps us to enter into his kingdom in Christ. Well, this, this next one is very interesting, I think. Matthew 5, 4. And, and I think it's a perfect follow-up to a breakthrough in humility. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. And see, because I think when you're in, in pride mode, you, you never stop to uh, think about the realities of life. And that until you really grasp the realities of life, you never really connect with God the way you need to. So it takes, it takes humility to start with, and then it takes a movement into reality. And that's why I call this beatitude the beatitude of reality. The, the, the attitude of reality. So humility is where we start, and, and that quickly has to move into reality. And you think, well, what, what kind of reality? Well, it's stuff like this. The, the world is fallen. The planet is broken. Um, my sin caused the problem. I can't fix it. It's a very painful realization that ultimately life doesn't work. If you look at me, see, until we come to the reality, because we got humble enough to figure it out, we never process this deep enough, and we never then ultimately realize how desperately, desperately we need God in our lives. And, and, and until we do, until we get a hold of this big picture and go, <gasps> then we never really experience the comfort that comes from a relationship with God. See, I, I think people, uh, and even uh, sometimes as believers we do this, we, we desperately try and make everything work. Uh, people all the time, see, when, when, see, if your life is based on having which is our culture, which is about right circumstances. You spend your entire life trying to make everything work. And you can't. And it's a, it's a horrible reality until you deal with it. You can't make it work. People scramble around. They try and control everything. They're always trying to make everything work. And guess what? You can't do it. it, it it's, the deck is stacked against you. Sin has messed up the planet. And it never works. It won't work. It doesn't work this side of heaven. We get taste of heaven. God helps us walk through this thing. But it doesn't work. Things happen. Tsunamis, earthquakes, tragedies, unspeakable things happen. And it's part of this fallen world. And yet it's a reality. It's a reality. 
and, and until we sort of get a hold of it, and a lot of people don't like this talk, but until we get a hold of it, we can't really experience life that comes from God. We miss it because we're busy trying to make it work ourselves, and, and you can't. You just can't. You can't make this thing work. It doesn't, doesn't work. It's broken. God's going to fix it, but it's broken right now. Sin broke it, and it's a broken deal. And, and, you know, God steps into it in Christ so that we have a way to be with him forever, but the deal is broken. And until he comes back, it's broken. He's going to fix it, but not until he comes back. So here's this thing going on around us. And, and people, um, it's a hard thing to, this reality is a tough thing. That's why people, you know, it was a big deal. You don't hear as much of the term anymore, but for years the term was, you know, the denial. And, 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 but a lot of people live there. They, they don't want to deal with it. And so rather than deal with it, what they do is they start turning to pain relief of all sorts, and there's a million things you can turn to for pain relief, but none of them work. None of it fixes anything. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't work. It's, just, it's, it's, it's a hard deal to take. Um, you, 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 we can't fix it. We can't make it work in our own strength. And then if they, if they not turn into pain relief, a lot of times what people do is, well, if I just have enough stuff, see, if I get right circumstances, then I won't have to deal with this, this, this pain and stuff, and yet it doesn't work. It doesn't, that it doesn't work. Um, they, 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 they get stuck. I can make it work so that there's no pain and there's no mourning, and I can do it, I can do it, I can just make it work. Can't do it. Can't. Now, now why do we have to talk about it? What is it that we do? See, because ultimately, having come to this place of humility that we desperately need for the Lord, we then have to embrace that the thing's broken and our own brokenness. And when we do, we find comfort in life in the Lord. Um, being in relationship with God and with others is where life is. And, and when that realization finally hits us that it's a big mess and we can't fix it, we get it. That the only thing that we can do is get in relationship with Him and then, and then relationship with others because that's all that really matters. It's all that really counts. Everything else is just temporary pursuit. You know, everything that you get is temporary. I mean, we, we think, and I'm not saying again, you, you heard me say I'm not picking on stuff, but it's all temporary. You've got to think of it that way. It's temporary stuff. Whatever you get is temporary. You can't take it with you. The only thing you get to take with you in eternity is your relationship with him and your relationship with others that are in relationship with him. That's it. Shouldn't that be the focus? Well, it should be. That's where life is found now and forever. But... We've drifted way off of that. And that's why we have to take a look at it. We can't make this thing work. I, and see, this is... So what just happened in Japan is another one of those things. It's a horrible tragedy that, that this stuff happened and that, that many lives were taken. Uh, 10,000 lives, they figured. You know, a year ago in Haiti, 250,000 people died in that quake. 200, a quarter of a million People died. And, and these things happen, and you, and you almost can't even fathom it. I don't think we can even take that kind of number in and deal with it. We wouldn't move. But, but here's the thing. So, so this thing happens in Japan, but you know what comes next? It's fear. And, and it's because people are living in this having thing, and all they can think about when you live in that having way is, how does this impact me? That's where people went to. Almost immediately, I was shocked as I was reading the 
stories. And that, that, like within a day, they're kind of not talking so much about the poor people. And they're saying, yeah, but how's this going to affect the economies? And blah, 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 blah. And, how's it blah, blah. And, and people stocking up on pills to take because of the radiation fallout. And I'm like, come on. Don't be afraid. You got Jesus. You, it, let's pray for those people. Let's not stop praying for them. That's what matters. But, but see, this thing gets us so far shifted that we can't do it. And, and so we have, to, we have to get, well, the planet's broken. Why are there earthquakes? I mean, the planet's broken. Sin broke it. Jesus is going to fix it when he comes back. Make it new is what he's going to do. Right now, stuff happens. But, but we have to stay engaged in the fact that, that that's the world that we live in. Not be afraid of it. We embrace it. Because he's with us, and he's with us forever, and he's for us. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. When, when we get it, when we enter into this reality, he's with us. I'm not saying, and, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not saying we walk around all of a sudden. We're going to be comforted by the Lord as we embrace the fact that it only, it doesn't work, but that he's got us. And life is found in him. And rather than running around trying to fix it and make it work, we just go, well, God, I, it's yours. I can't fix it. I just want to live in it the way you've called me to. I want to be your ambassador. I want to love people the best I can. I want to love you the best I can. When I mess up, I want to run back to you, get forgiveness, and come back out and start loving people again. Because that's all that matters. That's what matters. Everything else is fleeting. All the stuff that I chase after like you do, it's fleeting. And, and so we have to get that, that this is what matters. It says when we, when we embrace that, blessed are those, happy are those who mourn, which sounds like it's ridiculous, but I just explained why. For they shall be, or they will be comforted. The, the, the word that that comes from to us in the translation is an old English word, um, which means to strengthen. So the whole thing, happier people are mourned because they're going to be strengthened. That doesn't seem to make sense. But I think when you hear this next verse, you'll go, oh, well, that's what Paul was talking about. Listen, in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He had a thorn, this something that was going on. Lots of ideas about what it might be. But, but he said to me, this is what the Lord said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I embrace the fact that it doesn't work, that it's fallen, then that's when I can find the power of God in my life. That's when strength comes to live this life out. That's when life begins to really take on some meaning. It's never found in the other stuff. It's always found in that relationship with him. When we, when we realize that we can't make it work in our own strength, which is Paul talking about dealing with his weakness, then in Christ we're strong because we're trusting in him and not in us. And that we have to trust in him because we can't. When we do that, four neat things happen. And we're going to run through them real quick. There's probably more, but four things that I can think of right that happen. Why we're comforted when we get that we're mourned, and why then, then we're blessed and happy is because of these things that happen. The first thing that happens is what becomes available to us is God's mercy and grace. Two huge things. I'm glad for both. God's mercy and grace. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We never check into the fact that we're in need. We never check into the grace and mercy that's available to us. 
which is an awesome deal. That he's got all the mercy and all the grace that you need, all that you need in your time of need. Whenever you need it, he's got all that you need. Do you ever think about when someone's going through something really difficult and you think to yourself, I don't know how they do it. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it apart from the grace that they're receiving to go through it at the time. That's all I can tell you. When you're going through something like that, the grace to get you through it is there. And, and that's a gift from God. And you, you only relate to it when you need it. But see, it's, it's available to us when we go to him and say, I can't do it without you, God. I need you. And, and it's available. We go right to the very throne room and, and just say, God, I need you. And his mercy. And, his and we go with confidence, see? Isn't that cool? Right there, right to God with confidence. God, it's, it's, everything's a mess. Can't do it. He says, yeah, I know, but I'm with you. And here's all the mercy and the grace that you're going to need in the process. Another amazing thing that he gives us for our comfort is his word, God's word. I love, this is from the, the Living Bible translation. Pardon me, paraphrase. It says this, in Psalm 119, 49 through 52, Never forget your promises to me, your servant, for they are my only hope. They give me strength in all my troubles. How they refresh and revive me. Proud men hold me in contempt for obedience to God, but I stand unmoved. From my earliest youth, I have tried to obey you. Your word has been my comfort. See, we, we find comfort in his word when we, when we turn to it, when we realize that we're desperately in need of God, we turn to his word and we find comfort as we read it, as we memorize it, as we study it. Well, I encourage you all the time, pick the book up. Spend a few minutes every day in the book. Read through it. Why we study it chapter by chapter on Wednesdays. Why? Because it's, it's, it's the word of God. It's life. And, and it's comforting. To read the word. So many times I'll just sit down and where, where the Bible happens to be and just start to read it. And I, that, I would have to be, I, I have to tell you that that's how I would describe it. There's something so comforting about it that I wonder why I just don't do it more often. So, so get into the book. Study it, memorize it, read it. If you don't have one that you like, get one that you do. Okay, if you don't have a good Bible that makes you, encourages you to sit down and read, get one. If you don't have a Bible, let all see me. I'll give you one. I've got Bibles here. But, but I'm, uh, you know, I, I kind of have a, a thing with the Bible anyway because of what I do. But, like, I just bought a new Bible uh, over at Christmas, and it's a C.S. Lewis Bible. I love that Bible. And so it encouraged me to start reading again. Not that I hadn't, but it was like, oh, look, and it, it, see, get something that makes it special. Because you should. It's that important. Whatever it takes. Uh, you know, I, I, I only have large print Bibles now because <laughs> I can't read the other ones. I can barely read these. But so there's changes. And, it's, and so if you're, you know, if, you're, if you're still stuck with a Bible you've had for 30 years and you can't see the print anymore, upgrade. All right? I'll give you one. CBD.com, 10 bucks, 20 bucks. You can get more Bibles than you can imagine. So, so spend time. There's comfort in his word. Third thing is God's people. God's people comfort us. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. If you've been here, you know that that, that word comfort is the same word 
that we use for encourager. Uh, it's paraclete, the Holy Spirit encourager. We've talked about it a lot. But see, God's people comfort us. They encourage us. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's why I tell you to encourage two people a day. People need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged. What a wonderful thing it is when someone encourages you. I love, people come and encourage me. I'm so blessed. It's a wonderful thing. It's comforting to be encouraged. That's why we have to go out there and do it. Because it's a, it's a comforting thing. The world's desperate for it. No, not many people do it. Most people are stuck in that having thing instead of being. See, you can only really care about people when you're being. When you're stuck in the having thing, people are just kind of part of the scenery and the machinery. You ever, do you ever think about how easy it is to move people into the scenery and machinery of your lives? What does that mean? They're just kind of there. You don't ever really check them into them and, and their scenery, and they're the machinery in your lives when you need them to do something for you. But those people that are churning out your hamburgers and cups of coffee, and they're not machinery, and they're not scenery. They're people who desperately need to know the love of God if they don't already. And so we, we, we understand that God's people comfort us and we're to comfort others as well. And God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit of God, he, he pours out His Holy Spirit into us. And, and the Holy Spirit comforts us and, and leads us and guides us and, and, and works in us and does all those things so that, that in the midst of this broken, fallen world, we have the Holy Spirit, a, a deposit guaranteeing where we're headed and, and working in us and with us as we yield to Him in our lives and, and, and blessing us with gifts and opportunities and, and all those things that He does. Cause it, but all that's about being. It's not about having. It's about being. And, and relationship with Him and others is where we find life. So... Humility and reality then help us to see that life can only be found in relationship with God and others. Loving God, loving others, which is our purpose for life and our motivation for our mission. So, so think about those things this week and memorize those verses. Start thinking about five and six. Start memorizing them as well. Three, four, five, and six by next week. And, and that, that these things begin to fit together. And you'll see these Beatitudes shaping up and fitting together to help us realize life is found in being, in relationship with God and others, loving God and loving others. And so keep getting out there and doing this stuff, guys. Be thankful every day for five things and love God. Encourage two people every day and love others so we can get one more lost child back to dad. Amen? Amen. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. And uh, if you need anything, you can call us or write us or email us. We'll do whatever we can for you but we're going to go ahead and close tonight.